Hi, I'm Darren Peppard. Welcome to the Leaning into Leadership podcast, the podcast dedicated to today's hardworking leader. Join me every Sunday for leadership insight, inspiration, and a little pep talk to keep you rolling down your road to awesome. Hey, everybody, welcome into episode 117 of the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. Today on the show, we're going to talk about executive function. Now, if you're not a walking dictionary and you're curious, hey, give me a little bit more, Darren, on the definition of executive function. Let me tell you this. According to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, executive function is the group of complex mental processes and cognitive abilities, such as working memory, impulse inhibition, and reasoning that control the skills such as organizing tasks, remembering details, managing time, and solving problems, ultimately required for goal-directed behavior. Today on the show, we're going to dig in deep around executive function with my guest, Candace Hyken. Now, Candace has combined her background in education and in psychology with a really deep passion for empowering students, and she founded a company called the Lively Minds Institute. Lively Minds is an organization with a mission to cultivate independent lifelong learners through the development of executive function skills. They have developed an executive function solution called Cerebrate that provides educators with a simple way to identify deficiencies based on observable classroom behaviors and then access to lessons that help them teach those strategies. Candace has over 25 years in education and is really driven to affect lasting and impactful change by helping teachers and students see what they can achieve when they have the executive function skills necessary for learning. Candace and I sat down and had a fantastic conversation. Can't wait for you to check it out, and you'll get it right after this. Hello, middle-level educators. Are you looking for a nationwide type of conference at the fraction of the cost? The North Carolina Association for Middle-Level Education welcomes you to Charlotte, North Carolina, March 24th through the 26th for the 2024 NCMLE Inspire Conference. My name is David James, NCMLE Marketing and Conference Director, and I want to personally invite you to our annual conference. You will not want to miss our keynote and featured speakers that lead over 120 middle-specific teaching and learning sessions. Our featured speaker lineup includes EDU experts from across the country, such as principal and leadership expert Baruti Kafele, Charles Williams, LaQuanta Nelson, Zach Bowermaster, and the host of the Leaning Into Leadership podcast, Dr. Darren Peppard. The NCMLE Inspire Conference is for everyone. Go to ncmle.org to register your team for the 2024 NCMLE Inspire Conference today. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and a podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. So when we think about the performance of our students in the classroom, and that's, that's part of what we want to talk about today, a lot of times some of the things that we overlook are the skills that our, that our students have or actually don't have or have gaps that exist. So today we wanna to talk about executive functioning and how we coach, grow, and support our students around those executive functions, those essential skills that our kids 
need in order for them to be successful in the classroom. And joining me on the show today is Candace Hyken, who is an expert in this area. Candace, thank you for joining me here on the show. Thanks for having me, Darren. Yeah, absolutely. So before we dive into this conversation, um, share a little bit about who you are and what you do and maybe maybe define executive function in just a nice, simple layman's terms for everybody who's listening. Mm. All right. Well, a simple definition of executive function is the brain's mechanism that helps us complete a task in order to reach a goal. And so that's what we're trying to do is help students develop these executive functions that allow them to perform all of the tasks that we require for them in a day that that they need to meet these expectations that we have from them. And so over the past 25 years or so um, in education, I I started out in the classroom like many um, leaders in the field. Um, I I was with high school students at first and then um, went back and got a master's in elementary education and worked with the the younger students. Um, And then I went out and started an education company with a group of educators. And we really started working with students who were struggling and providing those Um, resources and some support to struggling students. And what we realized pretty quickly was that there were a lot of students who it wasn't as much about the content, it was much more about the skills that they didn't have um, to meet those goals. So for instance, um, students who weren't really struggling with the math homework or how to do those math problems, they just couldn't find it in their backpack to turn it in, or they didn't know it was due, or they waited until the last minute. And so they were struggling with those skills And so we started working with students to help them develop the skills that they needed to be good, strong students. And over the last um, about 12 years now, um, that has developed into several different um, areas. We've got coaching where we really help students and parents learn these skills one-on-one. But then we've also developed a, a curriculum that works with Um, that we work with teachers and district leaders and school leaders to help them with students in the classroom. So you mentioned one really good example there, which, which is essentially organizational skill. So, you know, knowing where your homework was or having systems in place where when I complete something, I do this. When I sit down to study, I do this. Maybe give a few more examples of some of those executive functions that, that you lean into. We're going to get eventually to um, the, the assessments that, that you have. That, that classroom teachers can can do to talk about like I think it's 64 different executive functions across eight different areas and, and I'm not saying like list 64 but um, right. we, we, you mentioned the kind of that organizational piece talk about a couple others yeah and that's one that a lot of people think about when they think of executive functions they think of the time management and organization pieces but executive functions are, are actually quite a bit broader than that. And when we look at them, we, we categorize them into three main areas. We've got the behavioral pieces. So things like self-control and self-monitor. So the ability to think about consequences before acting or waiting your turn before you speak. So things like that um, in self-control, self-monitor, the ability to evaluate what you're doing in a situation and whether that's really what you're supposed to be doing or not. 
Um, so we've got those behavioral pieces and then there are the emotional pieces. So things like flexibility and whether students have the ability to mentally shift from what they're supposed to be doing. Can they shift from circle time to, to desk time, for instance, and can they shift their thoughts? Um, and then we have that emotional control piece. So are they able to regulate their emotions um, and understand how to react in certain situations? And then finally, are those cognitive pieces that a lot of people think of when they think of executive function that includes the organization and the time management um, planning, but it also includes things like task initiation, getting started on your work um, and working memory, which uh, requires you to use um, information that you have in your brain already, um, but it also includes that sustained memory, so the ability to focus and pay attention. So all of those are areas that kind of encompass these executive function skills, and you can probably see, you know, ways that deficiencies in those areas can really hinder a student's ability to be successful. And I think, you know, just listening to you talk about that makes me think a lot about um, conversations that um, I've been a part of with administrators, with teachers, both in, in my current role and then also, you know, previously, especially as, as a superintendent, um, when working with our really younger kids, you know, the kinder, first, second, third grade, and, and where the, a lot of those conversations would come up were whether we were talking about the potential need for um, in additional services for a student, you know, such as an IEP or potentially even like retaining a student. And in many ways, it isn't necessarily connecting to um, academics specifically, but rather their own ability to, 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 to do these particular skills or to, to hold and, and utilize those particular skills. I'm curious what you're seeing, because I know you, you started your business pre-pandemic. Um, and, and I know one of the biggest concerns so many of us had during the period of time when students were working from home, whether that was just March to, uh, to June of the one year or additional amounts of time. In some states, it was up to two years that students were, were working um, remotely. I'm curious, what, what are you seeing or what are some of the trends that are out there regarding executive function? Have we seen greater gaps in this area? Um, or are we still pretty much where we were before and people are just trying to point fingers and, and blame the <laughs> pandemic for even more than it already caused? Yeah, you know, I think, um, I think we see more, um, but I think it's probably a combination, right? I, th I think it was there before um, and we maybe didn't see it as clearly. Um, and one of you know, one of the indicators that there's an executive function um, issue is when um, a student has increased expectations. And so what we saw during the pandemic was um, students needed to be a little bit more independent, be working on their own, maybe doing things from home and that. And we started to see both in the classroom and as parents, we could see clearly that our kids just didn't have some of these skills that they needed to to be such an independent learner. And so I think that highlighted some of that, but we talk a lot about expectations and whether students are able to meet the expectations that teachers have, um, both learning expectations and behavioral expectations. And I think one of the big things that we've noticed 
in regards to executive function from the pandemic is that expectations changed pretty rapidly for kids. And so they, um, they were having to quickly adjust to all of these new expectations. And I think that um, we started to see some of these executive function deficiencies really coming out, whether it was just an organization issue or um, a self-control or an emotional control. And what we're hearing from so many administrators and school leaders is um, the increased behaviors. So, and, it, and it's tending to look more like self-control type behaviors in the younger kids and more emotional control behaviors in the older kids, more anxiety, um, more stress, and not knowing how to handle those things. So if, if you're a classroom teacher, if you're a school level leader, district level leader, and more and more of these behaviors are starting to crop up, which honestly, Candace, I hear that. I hear that pretty much universal um, across yeah. across the country, and so obviously most um, are coming across some of these struggles. W- what are some of the things that a classroom teacher, school level leader, uh, a PLC team can do? What are some of the things that when you're working with schools that you're suggesting uh, that they put in place to help students develop these skills, but also we also have to learn how to kind of cope our way around those skills. Mm, yeah. Well, I think one of the biggest challenges um, and what we really like to help with is just identifying the need. Where, where is the deficiency? Because I think what, what happens so often is when you see a student, let's say who's struggling with um, task initiation, so they can't get started on their work. So we as, as classroom teachers can really easily jump to this idea that maybe they're defiant, they're not motivated, um, they, they, just, they just won't do it. Where sometimes they really just don't know how to do it. Truly, they don't know how to break it down into small pieces. And even though you just handed them a worksheet, and to you as an adult, that seems perfectly simple to do, write your name and start on number one, right? When, but this kid is looking at this sheet and there's, 25 questions and it feels way too big. They're not sure that they can get it done in the amount of time. They don't know how to start it. And all of those pieces just feel too big and they wind up just sitting there not starting on their on their assignment. And so one of the things that we feel so passionate about is helping to gain an understanding among classroom teachers and administrators that that doesn't necessarily mean that student's defiant. Sometimes they really just don't have that skill they need. So what do we do when we identify that that's the issue? Um, Now we have to teach a strategy. So some sort of strategy for how they can chunk that into smaller pieces so that it's less overwhelming and they can get started on their work. And so really encouraging that strategy-based teaching um, and helping students understand, here's what you need to do step-by-step, and then giving them an opportunity to practice it. And that's what is is such an important piece to the skill development. And then what we see um, on our end when when things aren't working the way they're supposed to be, it's often a result of not allowing students the opportunity to practice those skills so that they can develop a habit. So I would assume, now obviously you said you started with high school. That's where the bulk of my time in my career was spent. I started at middle school, managed to escape 
and uh, went to the high school level. I'm kidding. I, lo- I loved middle school. I really did. Um, and then, of course, was a superintendent, so I had all of it. But, um, you know, we see we see the, the need for chunking even at even at the, the highest grade levels. Uh, it's it's still yeah. an important, important piece. And and obviously, yes, with with what we just went through, um, skill gaps have maybe just been more enhanced. Um, I, I like how you talked about that because, you know, the truth is those 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 gaps in executive functioning skills were already there. It's just like this the spotlight got shined on them a little bit more because they got less support during that time. Or maybe they didn't have the opportunity to learn those things as much as they might if they had been had they been in person. Um, but what I'm curious is and, and I led with the high school piece first, uh, because you're talking about having kids have a lot of opportunities to practice those skills. If I'm a high school student, let's say I'm a sophomore in high school, and I'm at a traditional, comprehensive high school, so normal seven-period day, I've got seven, maybe eight different teachers if I have a homeroom or something like that, all in one day. Naturally, one would think, hey, here are a lot of opportunities to practice those skills. But if we don't have everybody on the same page, we may still not have that opportunity. So so I want to take you to you're working with a high school. Let's say you're working with the high school where I was the principal, 120 staff. How do we how do we do this in a way? How do you coach us in a way so that we are wrapping those opportunities around for our kids who need to practice those skills? Mm. Yeah, that's so huge. And I think, um, you know, there's a couple pieces to that. First of all, you know, we have to recognize the fact that most teachers uh, feel quite overwhelmed anyway with, with what we have to accomplish in a normal day. So throwing an extra piece in there. Now we now we need to teach them how to, you know, chunk their tasks so they can get started on their homework, right? So, so providing a way, first of all, that's simple to do that, the strategies are there and simple, um, is one piece to that. But also, I think just raising that awareness of what are the skill deficiencies, let's say in a math classroom, I started out teaching high school math. So what are the skill deficiencies that we often see in a math classroom? And helping a, a math teacher see that so that it's relevant to to her group of students, his group of students, right? So that, um, so that now it doesn't feel like just another thing that we have to teach, but something that's really going to help me be more effective as an educator because my students are prepared to learn. And so, so I think that's one way, you know, school-wide is really addressing how those executive functions look in those different classrooms and then providing ways to teach it in that classroom. So in a math classroom, for instance, the things that students often struggle with is missing homework assignments. Um, And so managing all of their workload and putting systems in place to manage that. Um, But we also see struggles with testing. And so understanding how to study for a math test, what does that look like? How do you prepare accurately for that or adequately for that? Um, And then how do you evaluate what you did and then make changes? And so things like this that are all executive functions um, play into how successful a student can be in your math classroom. And so really helping teachers understand how it relates to their content area and how how it's really a win-win for the student and for the teacher if we're able to really start helping students develop these skills. 
Well, and I know you and I had talked before we hit the record button, um, and I referenced it earlier, so I want to come back to it, that there's also, among the many resources that, that your company provides, um, uh, some great blogs, by the way, folks, go, go check out nine ways you can model self-control for your kid as just one simple example. Um, but uh, you had mentioned, you know, among, among the resources that um, there are some assessments that teachers can do to identify kind of those more prevalent skill gaps that exist uh, within, within their students or within a group of students so that you could be a little bit more targeted, right, with, with how right. professional development works in the school. Talk a little bit more about that. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, you know, there's a couple different components to that. And one of the things that we um, really found over the years um, with some of our research and then some of our piloting is that sometimes it's difficult to identify the skill deficiency that unless, you know, depending on how much experience you have with executive function and really identifying some of those things, figuring out where the struggle is can be a little challenging. And so um, it's, it's sometimes helpful to do an evaluation that's more focused on the behaviors that you see, because we as teachers are seeing those behaviors on a regular basis, right? The kid's not turning in their homework, and um, this kid is blurting out all of the time, and um, this kid is overreacting to small problems. So, so we can identify what those challenging behaviors are, um, and that helps figure out where is the skill deficiency? What is the executive function skill that's behind that behavior that we're seeing in the classroom? And what is a strategy that we can teach them that now helps them overcome that challenge? And so, so yes, that's one of the things that we've worked hard on over the years is, is creating a tool, and there are others out there as well, um, that help you identify what are those behaviors and where is the skill deficiency associated with that? So let's let's spin it forward just a little bit. So um, I know you work with parents and individual kids too with with tutoring. So let's take it out of the classroom and now now go to that level. Um, what does it look like when you're working with a parent when you're working with a student to help them to to develop and to practice? Uh, the skills that are are so very essential. And, and here's why I ask this question. Um, probably everybody who's listening is a parent, so they can certainly benefit from this. But I also think, too, as a classroom teacher, and I'll go back to my middle school time, um, you know, hey, we had planners, and we did planner checks, and they got grades and homeroom for it, and nobody taught us as teachers how to teach that skill. It was just assumed we all had that skill. I'm as far from a type A as a person could be. It's not exactly yeah. a strength of mine. So right. this is also an opportunity. So listen up folks, if you're, if you're charged with helping kids in the classroom with, with calendaring and that kind of stuff, here you go, this is gonna be for you. Well, that's really a, a very valid point. And, and it's really, I'll tell you, when, when we very first started and we were working with students on these skills, um, I've always inherently been pretty good with organization and, and that. And one of the things that I realized as a leader and having a whole group of educators on my team was that it was, everyone had very different ideas of what these skills were and how to teach them. And what I found was um, the teachers 
tended to teach what they knew how to do well. Um, and that may or may not be what that student was actually struggling with. So there was a real disconnect, right? And I think we see that in the classrooms and we see it with parents. And I can't tell you how many parents have called over the years and said, you know, we need help with our son. He, he can't do all of these things. And they give you a laundry list. And then towards the end, they say, so now what do you have for, for me? Right. Because I also can't do those right. things. <laughs> and so so it's it's true. Right. I mean, all, a lot of us really never learned um, some of these. And as we become adults, we just kind of make our own strategies. We put things in place. Um, but it's it is important to be able to identify what that is and then have the strategy in place. And that's really that's one of the biggest challenges that we've had, both for our team of educators who work with students individually, our parents who we work with, and the teachers and administrators who we work with. We, we have to have a really simple plan or strategy in place that's flexible enough to work with whatever group of students that is, right? Because you're gonna have a different level of engagement and a different level of need with different sets of students. So if you try to do the same thing with all of them, it's not gonna work. And so, so having those tools in place with a lot of ideas for how you can flex that as you need to is so important. And so when working with students, regardless of whether it's individually in a coaching session or in a classroom, as I mentioned earlier, one of the biggest pieces, one of the biggest keys to success is having an action plan in place. So we've taught the strategy, we've looked it over, we've, we've figured out what we're gonna do but now how are we going to practice it? What's the action plan? What are we going to do this next week to put this in place? And then how are we going to evaluate it? So we need to come back at some point and look at this and say, is this working? And if not, how do we tweak it? And the, the magic in that is that then we get that student engagement because now we're asking the students what they think. So, you know, you've worked with middle school students when they come back and say, this is dumb. This doesn't work. This will never work for me. You right. almost welcome that, right? That's the best. When they say that, that gives you that unique opportunity to say, okay, then let's figure out how it will work for you. What will work for you? Because now you've got that engagement. Now now they're invested, right? Because you've you've allowed them to tell you why your idea was was so dumb. <laughs> so Well, and it's I mean it's it's just good teaching. You know, whether whether I'm trying to teach the Pythagorean theorem, um, whether I'm trying to teach uh, the Krebs cycle in biology, I was a life science teacher, um, or whatever, I'm trying to teach executive functioning, I'm trying to teach time management, I mean, whatever it is, it's in, in a lot of ways, it's it's following the, the four to four questions for a PLC, you know, what what do we want kids to know and be able to do? How do we know? What do we do if they can do it? What do we do if they can't do it, right? I mean, it's just that you're just focusing on on skills which in many cases in education right now that's what we need to be focused on the most is skills for our kids anyway so yeah. I, I i love that so so very much and uh, before i ask you the the last question i ask everybody here on the show i just uh, i had this question just kind of burning in my head a little bit as uh, as you've been talking so um I will. I would say I go off script, but you know I don't follow script, so I'm not going off script. I'm just going to throw something new out there. Um, you you started your business pre-pandemic. Uh, you've been in business, I think, since maybe about 2018, somewhere in there, 2017, uh, somewhere in that neighborhood. 
2012. Okay. So we yeah. go back even yeah. further. So, yeah. so, so you've been in business over 10 years and I'm curious the kind of the, the driving purpose behind why you said it was a group of educators. Why, why go into business and are you, are you still fulfilling that same purpose? Has your purpose changed a little bit? So like what, what do you really hope your business is accomplishing as you work with students and teachers and, and parents? You know, I think um, one of the things that I love so much about what we've been able to do with students over the years is really take them where they are, figure out why they aren't being successful, and then help them get there. And that's um, I mean, uh, of course, as educators, that's what we all ultimately would like to do. That's, I mean, I think that's why we all got into education in the first place. But we know that in a classroom setting, that can be really difficult. Sometimes just the day-to-day -day, um, doesn't allow for that. And so, so when we're able to work with students um, individually, we're able to really take them where they are and, and figure out what's holding them back. And so that was really appealing to me and always has been. And so... I think that was one of the driving forces behind um, starting starting our company um, years ago was just to provide that kind of individualized, um, customized type um, attention. I, I can remember sitting with a um, school counselor once um, just chatting about these sorts of things. And, um, and I said to her, wouldn't it be amazing if every kid had an IEP? And I, the poor woman, her eyes just got huge and, and she just panicked, you know, and I said, right, right. Logistically, I understand the, the problem here, right? And there's not enough trees in the world to make that happen. Please, but, please, SPED directors, don't turn off the show. She, right. She's going away from that, I promise. That's right, that's right. But, but ideology, but yeah, in theory, it, it's it's a neat idea, right? To to really think about what do kids need to be successful? What does each kid need? What are the goals? You know, it's it's a neat idea. Of course, we couldn't actually ever really probably accomplish that, but um, but in in a sense, we can. You know, we can look at what is the student struggling with and how can we give them what they need. And when we look at these skills that students are often struggling with. Um, how can we look at that, whether it's a small group or whether it's an entire classroom or whether it's an intervention type setting, how can we look and see what's holding them back? So what are the skills that this group of students is missing and how can we teach this to them so that they can be more successful in the classroom? And so even still, you know, beyond the coaching or tutoring realm, um, with, with working with students in the classroom, it still comes back down to that. You know, what can we do to help students become the best students they can be with the ultimate goal of creating students who love to learn and who become lifelong learners? And so that's that's always our mission. That's always what we're, we're working hard to accomplish, um, regardless of the vehicle we're using, so. So I love that answer, and a big part of why I asked that question. Um, every now and again, I'll get asked, you know, about you know why I started my business and why I do what I do. Why would I leave public education? Although I still consider myself in public education, I just work with a lot of schools, not just one. Um, yeah. But 
my answer very similar to yours is, you know, at our heart, we're still teachers. At our core, we're still teachers, and we want what's best for kids. So um, I didn't know know that that's where you were going to go, but I was pretty confident that that was <laughs> what was at was at your core with that. And I just I don't know. I'm always curious about that. I, I you know, there's uh, I've had a lot of guests on who have followed similar paths to, to what you and I have. So um, I'm always just kind of curious. So so thanks for indulging me in that. Uh, so let's let's go ahead and transition then to the last question that I ask everybody here on the show. And that's, this is the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. So Candace, how are you leaning into leadership right now? Well, it's a good question. I had to think a lot about this, actually. Um, and I think, you know, we have such a a unique opportunity with what we do to really be leaders in this field of executive function um, by working with schools and districts and administrators and teachers and parents and the students. We just, we have such a unique opportunity. Um, and I think that, that one of our biggest, you know, challenges to overcome is just really helping to gain uh, an awareness, helping um, educators gain an awareness of these skills, what they are, how they impact learning, and what you can do about it. And so that's what we'll continue to do as we lean into to leadership is, is continue to help educators understand what it is and why it's important and what they can do about it um, and provide as many resources as possible to help them be successful with that. At the end of the day, we want teachers to feel most successful with what they're able to do with their students. And of course, we want our students to feel successful with what they can accomplish in the classroom. We, we want them to feel like they can meet those expectations. And I, I've just always been a firm believer that given the choice, students would rather make their parents, their teachers, the adults in their lives proud of them sometimes they just don't know how. And so when we see those kids who are disengaged and um, they appear unmotivated, you can't get them to do anything. I still truly believe those kids would rather make everyone feel proud of them if they just knew what to do. And so if we can show them some strategies that help them meet the expectations that we have of them and we keep those expectations high so that they know that we believe in them, then we start to see some real incredible shifts happening with students and in the classroom and in the school culture and environment. And that's, that's exciting to see. So, so we'll continue to do that as we lean into leadership. I love it. That's what it's all about right there. So Candace, I'm certain that uh, some of my listeners are going to want to reach out and get in touch with you. Um, how do they go about doing that? Well, you can certainly send an email. Um, you can, you can, uh, visit our website. We have a couple. Uh, the first one is LivelyMindsInstitute.com. Um, and then our executive function program is called Cerebrate, which sounds made up, It's um, but it's actually a real word. Cerebrate is an old-fashioned word that means to think or ponder to make a good decision. And ultimately, that's what we're trying to do is help students become good, strong thinkers and learners. So Cerebrate.education is the website. Um, so you can certainly go there. Um, of course, I'm on social media and, and LinkedIn and all of those places, too. So if anyone wants to connect, I'm happy to. So I, I love having conversations about executive function. So anyone who, who wants to just reach out. We'll make sure we'll put uh, put all that stuff in the show notes. We'll put the links to the websites. We'll put the 
social media connection and all of that kind of stuff, email contact, right. so that those who want to reach out to Candace can absolutely do that. Candace Hyken, thank you so much for joining me here on Leaning Into Leadership. Well, thanks, Darren. I appreciate you having me. Hey, what an awesome conversation with Candace Hyken. I really appreciate her coming here onto the show, talking about executive function with us. And honestly, folks, Candace has left some free resources behind. So go down in the show notes and click on the links that Candace provided for us. I believe there are four of those there for you. So get in there, check those things out, and make sure you get connected with Candace. And now it's time for a pep talk. Well, did you make it? We're in the second week of January. We've cleared the second Friday in January, folks. And that, maybe you don't realize, is known as Quitter's Day. Yeah, that's right. I didn't know there was a thing called Quitter's Day. But in fact, in 2019, a company called Strava conducted some intensive research. And what they discovered was about 80% of people who make New Year's resolution tap out by the end of the second week in January, typically on the second Friday. So the second Friday is known as Quitter's Day. And I'm curious, did you make it past Quitter's Day? I hope you did. I have. I've got a couple of things that I've been focused on, a couple of things I've been working on. And, and honestly, I've had to adjust a little bit with some of those goals. And that's okay. Adjusting a goal and abandoning a goal are two completely different things. Make sure, folks, that if it was important to you in December, if it was something you really felt that it was worthwhile to make a change in your life, that instead of abandoning the goal, that maybe you make some modifications, maybe you make some changes, maybe you think about what are some ways you can go about it a little bit differently. Maybe you thought, hey, I'm going to lose a little bit of weight. I'm going to join the gym. And instead of going five, six, seven times a week, maybe just start off two or three times. You don't have to be all in. Take little steps. Ultimately, you're trying to change a habit. Ultimately, you're trying to change your behavior. And in order to do that, you got to take little steps. Don't beat yourself up. Don't quit. Just keep on going. Thank you so much for joining me here on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast, folks. Have a road to awesome week. Thank you for listening to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast, brought to you by Road to Awesome. Don't forget, click subscribe, give a review, and share this with somebody who might also enjoy leaning into leadership.